We thank him for his presence. He'll show up every time if we'll pray. I mean, really pray. Um, Calling on people to pray is probably maybe not even a biblical practice. We don't find it in the scriptures, but we do find this. Acts 4.31 says, when they all prayed, that the place was shaken. Shaken. And the Bible says that God did a tremendous work of revival right there. Now, this wasn't long after Pentecost. Folks, you don't have to be saved long till you need to get back and have some revival. So I thank you for praying tonight. Thank for the burden of Chris's heart. And um, I thank our boys and girls. I'm so uh, humbled by them every year. They are always good to us. And they give Brother Mike more, but I take it and he don't know it. <laughs> That's not true. I don't. But uh, we appreciate their, their care, their, their love. and be, They need to be taught that the people who teach them are the kind of people they ought to want to be and that they don't have to be ashamed of their pastor, don't have to be ashamed of their Sunday school teacher, don't have to be ashamed of the deacons. It it ought to be that way, don't you think? All right, are you in chapter number 8 of the book of Genesis? Now, I was sitting in the airport this morning at 6 o'clock in Jacksonville. I got up, my flight didn't leave probably at 10.30, 10.40, and I was on Eastern time, that crazy time. And so... I said, I can't sleep anyway. I'll just get up and get it ready. And I'll go to the terminal, check through, and I'll have three hours to study. So I got up, got ready, dressed, got the car, drove to the airport, got checked in, went right through security, got to my gate. Wasn't a soul there. Just me and God. And I had about two hours, not three but I had about two hours of uninterrupted study right in Jacksonville Airport. And so I, I, I appreciate God how he allows us to have time when we think we can't have it. And I, I didn't sleep any. I should have got up at 2.30. They probably wouldn't have let me in nor receive. But uh, uh, we're grateful to be here tonight. We're, we're looking at chapter 8. You saw all the things that we've talked about. You know, we, we've seen Noah as he was tearing and knowing as he was testing and Noah as he was trusting and then we'll end with Noah he was thinking. And we got to verses 18 and 19 or somewhere, just really right above 18 and 19. We got to the discussion about the raven. Now, did all of you understand that the raven was a symbol of the flesh. Y'all seeing that? The raven was a symbol of the old man. The raven was a symbol of the world. What did First John say? Love not the world, neither the things of the world. But the raven didn't come back because he loved the world. And the world is dead in trespasses and sin, so he was feasting upon death. And sometimes we do the same thing. Y'all agree? We get to lighten on death. We get to walking out of the will of God. 
And before long, we start acting like we used to act before we got saved, at least in some areas of our life. We either quit trusting God, believing God, waiting on God, trusting his promises, living for him, tithing, whatever it might be, we start getting out of the will of God. And so uh, I want you to know that those birds who don't come back are of the world. When we see people come and go and come and go and and I've seen it here now for 38 years, come and go, come and go. Many of them have gone, great servants of God uh, here at this church and gone on to glory. And when they go that way, that's a blessing for me because I know where they're going. But we've had folks come to our church and leave our church and come to our church and leave our church. And sometimes it'll go around five, six years later here, they'll come back again. And see, what they realize is they don't ever find anything like this. And so they'll get out there and get just enough. I was sitting in a restaurant uh, the other night by myself, and it's amazing what you can hear if you just listen at the conversations in a restaurant. And so there was two couples sitting together, probably 30 years of age. They were both laughing. They were having a good time. And I heard one say, well, I got baptized Sunday. And I'd heard church mentioned a couple of times, and I, I, I kind of perked up a little bit, and she said, yeah, man, it was cool. Got baptized, same as cool. All of them said, well, man, that's cool, yeah. And then in just a few minutes, I hear them talking about uh, different kinds of beer and the beers they drink and the beers that they favored. And I'm thinking, folks, this is what our people are doing. They're coming to church not to get saved. She never said she got saved. Not one time, perfect opportunity for anybody that just got born again, if she did, probably not. And if she did, it would have been a perfect opportunity to share with that other couple what Jesus had done for her. But all she said was, I got baptized. I imagine Judas got baptized. So, we don't want to be like that, right? Let's look at verse 18, 19. I don't want to get stuck up again tonight. After we are saved, we get past the raven, and then we start talking about the dove. And, of course, the dove, you know, it has to, uh, it, it don't live off of death. It can't stand death. And some of us try to look like a dove, but we're eating like a raven. But here in verse 18 and 19, you can see where Joseph, uh, where Noah is trusting God. Look what it says. Noah went forth and his sons and his wife, his son's wife with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Now, he went forth. Now, here's what I want you to get tonight. If you don't get anything else I say, and I know you don't get a lot I say, and somebody, probably some I say is not worth getting. I don't know. But if you don't get anything out of this, I want you to understand this. When Noah and his seven that was in the boat, in the ark with him, when they walked out of that ark, they walked into a totally different world. I want you to understand this. When you get born again, you suddenly have become in a totally different world. You don't think like you used to think. 
You don't see like you used to see. You don't go places you used to go. You don't act ways you used to act. It is a totally different world. Can I get amen? You see, folks, that's what's called worldly Christians. When we look like a lost person, we're worldly. And so here, I want you to understand tonight, things hadn't got as bad as they're going to get. Understand, things hadn't got as bad as they're going to get. And we're going to have to have some cohesiveness in our families if we stick to God. And we're going to have some brothers and sisters who love each other if we stick together as a church. Because it's going to get tough. It might get to where you can't even get to a place. And we'll have to have several places. to. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to get worse. I can guarantee you that. We can't be in the shape we're in and turn out okay unless we fall on our faces and get right with God. I hadn't seen anybody doing that at any political rally. Have you? Not one. Not even locally. Have I even heard? I'm not saying it have not happened. I just haven't heard it. So Noah goes out in a totally different world. He sees valleys he'd never seen before, caves. He didn't know what they were. Mountains, he'd never know, noticed. Deserts, there was the Arctics, there was cold, there, there, there was hot, there was winter, there was summer. There was all the things that he'd never known. He was in a new world. Y'all with me? So while, when Noah came out of the ark, he had to be trusting God because he knew he was going into a world that was going to be totally different and the only way he could live in that world was by faith. The just shall walk by faith. That's right. That's the only way to do it. You can't walk in this world unless you walk by faith. And so Noah, when he comes out, we see him trusting God. He had faith to walk with God before the flood when others wouldn't. He had faith to work for God before the flood when others wouldn't. He had faith to witness before the flood when others wouldn't. He had faith to wait on God when others wouldn't. I'm telling you, Noah was a man of faith. We need to be that kind of person. Amen? So, we have to trust God today in a different world. A world maybe like he'd heard Adam tell his dad of. You know three people spanned that whole generation. From Adam, all the way, remember when Methuselah was born, it shall come. Remember, three people spanned uh, maybe nearly 2,000 years, somewhere in that neighborhood, 1,900, and there's all the kinds of estimates, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 years. 1980, 60, something like that. And so that's a long time, isn't it? I remember my grandmother's granddaddy said on one side lived to be old, on the other side it didn't. And, and, and uh, I'd hear things that they would say, and, and I'd, I'd like to know about the old things, you know, things that I didn't know about, things I, I and see, goodness gracious alive, today in the last three years, there's so much happened, folks can't talk about it, they can't even tell it. Kids know more than we know about this world. That's sad, because the world's where it's leading them down the hole. 
So I want to tell you something. When you wait on God, then you go out in a fresh, with a fresh power and a, and a, and a fresh uh, sensitive, sensitivity to his will. You will go out into a new world trusting a great Christ you may go to a new job, maybe the same job, but it's a new job to you because you don't do it like you used to do it, right? You may go to a new family, but it's not to you because family's not what it used to be. You can go to all kinds of things, a new town or a new church or whatever it might be, but it's not the same because you're not what you used to be. Am I, am I hearing anything? Uh, don't. Don't expect it to be like it was before you got saved. Everybody's not going to be happy about it. Uh, no, no, you're a bunch of deplorables. Nobody's happy about you. Friend, I, don't, I tell you something. I don't appreciate being called deplorable. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't appreciate it. Personally, I don't appreciate it. If I'm deplorable, what is she? Goodness gracious, if I'm deplorable, there ain't an adjective to describe how evil she is. And so you bunch of deplorables are going to have to live in a different world. You're going to hear those words a lot more and, and worse. So, so get ready. And I, that's why I tell you parents, listen to me. We're going to have to fight some things this year. Just get ready. I can't do it for you. I went about as far as I can go and staying up nights and doing things that I'm not even supposed to be doing to try to help you get started on fighting this stuff. And I guarantee you there hadn't been a handful of our parents that went to the teacher and said, listen, this right here better not be taught to my child because it is. They're not coming tomorrow. And if they taught them something that wasn't in the will of God and you go to the polls and you vote for that sorry joker that's your good buddy and he's a good old boy but he won't stand for what's right, he'll go along with anything that anybody believes, whatever makes everything easy, whatever's content, everybody's content. If you vote for them, you're guilty. Now you may not know it, and I may not know it, but if you willfully, knowingly know that they don't believe right, you ought not to vote against them. You say, well, what? There's nobody to vote for. Right in. Right in. Talk to some folks. Hey, if I write you in, would you serve? Maybe too late. I don't know. Um, I'm sure they'll fix it that way. But did you know our school board this year? Could completely, totally change. Mr. McNeese is the only one coming back who stood with us when we first went. Since then, I have talked to Miss Wright and, and um, a couple of others, and so I, I think we have a much better relationship now. And hopefully, when times come where you need some help, I'll be there. To, I, I don't mind leading the way. I don't mind being the spokesman. I don't even mind taking the darts. But I don't know what your kid's been taught. But you do. Are you better? Because they're in a world like it's never been before.
Now, I know I got off on some things that you probably didn't want me to, but let's look at the fourth thing. When Noah commanded the ark, he came out thinking. Thankful. Verse 20 and 22. When you've waited on God, that means you tarried. And when you tarried, that means you let him guide you. So you test when the time comes. And so before Noah did anything, he tested. He sent a raven, then he sent a dove. He learned to trust God. And then when he learned to trust God, he learned to thank God. If you'll ever learn to trust God, you'll thank God. Because it's a good way to live knowing that whatever happens, you can trust God. And so, first of all, in verse number 20, he trusted him for his gratitude. Look, and Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean beast, every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the Lord. And get this, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. God said that. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth. Now listen, get this. While the earth remaineth. He didn't put anything else in there. Not some ancient or some foreign solar system. He just said when the earth remaineth. There will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Do y'all get that? So he's thankful. You say, well, how do you know he's thankful? Because he built the altar. First thing he did was go to church. First thing he did, he said, now I tell you, seven, you come here. And we're going to have church today, and we're going to get a build us an altar, and we're going to take the clean animals because our God is a God of righteousness, and that's why we put them on that, this, this, this ark is to bring them to this altar and offer this up with our thanksgiving and offer it up with our faith and offer it up with our love. Oh, God, receive our sacrifice. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy. And God smelled it. And he said, that smells so good. God do something here at Hillcrest if something would come up smelling good to God. But if it's stinking to God, he won't. So you remember, we need to send up stuff that smells good to God. A sweet savor unto the Lord. So the altar, you'll find through the book of Genesis is important. Let me just go ahead and get that out of the way now so you'll understand. Um, An altar was basically built here out of gratitude, but it also was the first act of anyone to lead his family in worship. It also was the first time that anyone had gathered anybody together in the name of Jesus. You see, they really, when you build an altar, here's what you do. You kneel at Calvary because that's our altar. Our sacrifice died where? The cross, right? That's our altar. And when we kneel at the cross, we do it with gratitude because it was there when I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. 
It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Look, look what it means. The altar was a place of so something died on. There's no need to build an altar to someone or to something if something don't die on it. That meant there was an offering on that altar to or far. Here it was a clean beast, so we know that they offered this sacrifice to God knowing right now Noah knew that God was going to make a provision to save us from our sins. He built an altar. An altar means three things. Write it down real quick. Consecration. Altar was worshipful, renewal, and devotional. Secondly, commitment. It's a place to die to everything but God's new way and God's new will. Noah saw it would work. He believed it would work. And so he would come out. He said, I am committing to live for God in a brand new world. Thirdly, it means cleanness. Not uncleanness. All offerings must be clean. In other words, here's what that means. You don't walk down the aisle on Sunday morning and rededicate your life and don't come back on Sunday night. That's what that means. That's what that means. You don't walk down to the altar and with tears going down your eyes because you happen to be going through something real bad, but we don't see you again for a while. You don't get you, you're not in Sunday school and, and, and worship's just kind of hit and miss and, and night services is plumb out of your range. And that's what he's talking about right here. You see, if you're going to be clean, you're going to have to be committed. And if you're committed, you'll be consecrated. To him. Secondly, it was for gratitude. Third, secondly, it was, I mean, first it was gratitude. Secondly, it was for grace. Verse 21. In other words, there'd been enough curse. There's enough curse for a man to see their serious problem. Why did God do what he did? So tonight we can see how serious sin is. Have you ever thought about this? He completely destroyed a world of we don't know how many people, maybe millions, maybe thousands, we don't know. Because, you know, they were popping babies out like popcorn. And they were living to be like 900. So I, we have no idea what the population was. And so God, because out of that whole population, could find only eight who believed in him and believed him took the effort to totally destroy the world. Why? Because we could see how serious sin really is. It took that God had to go to that extreme for us to see it. Mm. The curse of conviction, I think, came here, um, probably to them. And I think in, in our lives, when we get out there in the world, don't all of us understand something about conviction? Can anyone deny that we don't see a problem as we walk in the world? 
See, look, he says, as I have done. As I have done. God took full responsibility and he could have destroyed everybody, even included Noah, but the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because Hebrews 11 said he believed. And so there's only, only sinners need grace, so Noah's just a bad sinner than anybody else. So Noah got grace because he had faith and he was saved. And if you are saved, it's because you were saved by grace through faith. That's what Ephesians 2 says. And he was just thanking God for just some things. Thirdly, for the guarantee. You know, I've heard these liberals and they try to say, well, yeah, there was probably a flood, but it was just local, not universal. Now, that's a brilliant statement, isn't it? How in the world... Could you launch a box 22 and a half feet among the tallest mountain in the world locally? Don't happen. But the liberals will do anything to deny what God has done and and the age of the earth. You see, they don't want to admit the age of the earth. This thing hadn't been around as long as they tell you at all these museums and all these parks you go to. You remember who owns the state parks? The government. And so they're going to tell you, well, this was probably 10,000 years ago, and this was probably 30,000 years ago, and we found a bone probably 20 million years ago. It's probably a dog got killed three days ago, and the buzzards had picked him clean. So what he's saying here is, I want you all to know I'm giving you a guarantee tonight There'll be no nature change like this again. There'll be no season change like this again. And for you, I know, no, no, not you. You're the deplorables. Uh, For all those you know who are eco-freakos, who live green, live green, live green. So tired of that mess. Now, if you say it with green, I like that. I can take that. But living green, God didn't make this world to stay here. He made this world to burn it up. Now, we ought not to foolishly destroy what God has given us. We ought to lovingly thank God that he's given us a beautiful world to live in. Even after the explosion of the first one, it's still a gorgeous place to be. Isn't it? Imagine what heaven's going to be like. Mm, Just imagine just some of the places you see and places you've been alone in a beautiful spot and the serenity that was there. Imagine what heaven's going to be like. So we can't ever thank him enough that he's brought us through every storm of our life, that he's brought us through an old filthy, dirty world Sometimes we got to stepping in the flesh, and sometimes we got to feeding in the flesh, but he convicted us and pulled us back and drawed us back and cleansed us and forgive us. We got everything to be thankful for. 
So you be thankful tonight because there's going to be a totally new world someday. For I saw in heaven, there was a new Jerusalem coming down. And the old one, the Bible said, passed away. It melted with fervent heat. Every, and it talks about the elements. The word elements means atoms. In other words, God will split every atom on planet Earth. And I want to tell you something. Obama won't go and apologize for what God does. And I'm not going to apologize for what God says in this book. When somebody says, well, you believe you serve a God like that? I'm glad I serve a God like that. Can you imagine what this world's going to be like? And it's coming when there is no justice. When there is no regulation. When there is no definition of what real law is. When our constitution is changed. And our Supreme Court sits with eight liberals on it. Can you imagine what this world's going to be like? They've already made decisions. Hillary Clinton said she is supporting Planned Parenthood, which makes their living supporting killing babies. And she is for women, she says, but she'll kill a little baby girl in the womb and it doesn't bother her a bit. That's how evil that witch is. Get her a broom. Fetch her better. And you say, is Trump a saint? Goodness, no. For goodness sake, no. But it doesn't matter where it's him or her. There's a whole lot worse coming. And so all I'm saying to you tonight, just make sure you have inside of you what it takes to walk in the old world. Because you now have a new world. You're a new man. You have a new life in Christ Jesus.